Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another special edition of the Red Solo Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Coe, and this is episode number 52. This is the second part of the Tier 3 ACC preview prediction preseason. We got it coming around the corner. It's going to be a great year. Last episode, I gave you guys my prediction of, of the Tier 3 teams. These are the Tier 2 teams who I think have a really good shot at making the tournament or are going to be on that that bubble where they could miss it, they, they could make it. It's going to come down to a, a couple of key games. But before I get to that, I do want to talk about some news that broke out. So apparently the ACC is relocating. That's right, the ACC is leaving Greensboro. I was really disappointed to hear that news and really frustrated because I don't understand why you'd leave the home of ACC basketball. Greensboro is in the dead center of all the four main ACC schools. That is Wake State, Duke, and Carolina. You're losing history. You're losing tradition. You're losing everything that made ACC what it is. It it would make no sense. I'm hearing talks of moving to Charlotte I'm hearing talks of Raleigh. I'm hearing talks of Atlanta, which would make absolutely no sense. Um, but I'm really frustrated with the fact that because of what Jim Beheim said a couple years ago, has now spiraled this snowball effect where it just it keeps gaining momentum, and now here we are. I mean, dude, you're not even a real ACC team. Like, go back to where you were before. Go to the Big East shouldn't even be in the ACC. I don't understand why we're listening to this guy who's literally about to be out of of a job. He's about to retire. He's like almost 80. It's crazy to think this guy has this much power and he's not even a household name. There is way too much history with North Carolina in general, Greensboro in general, the home of the ACC tournament. Um, really frustrating stuff. And it's it's especially frustrating because we're listening to a guy who has no ties directly. You know, he's just a good coach with a good history. Like, if this had come from a Coach K or a Roy or somebody who's been here for a while and is a part of this and has built this into what it is now, then sure, like, we can listen to that. But this guy's some rando. And I'm not saying, like, I don't even know if that's that's really the reason why. I think the real reason is because they want to make money, and that's all they're concerned about. And that's probably the most frustrating part. So I'm just I'm just assuming. I'm going off of my own uh, assumption with, when it comes to Jim Behan. But I think that they just want to make more money. And that sucks because if you look at things time and time again, look look at your favorite restaurant. Think of your favorite restaurant. What's what's a place you, you would go all the time, whether it was after the gym or you, you couldn't think of anything and you just you automatically go there. And some people know about it. Some people know it's good. But then traffic starts to pick up. A lot of foot traffic. A lot of people start hearing about it. You see it on Twitter, Snapchat, whatever. And people, people start going a whole lot. And they realize you know, damn, we're making money. So we're going to cut some costs. We're going to cut some costs and we're going to make even more money. Well, then out of nowhere, your favorite restaurant goes out of style. Their food gets bland. It gets tasteless. It just becomes slop on top of slop. And it doesn't matter because you're safe, you're comfortable and you feel like going there. I'm, I'm experiencing that now 
with uh, with uh, one of my favorite, old favorite restaurants, uh, Taco Mama. If you guys have ever heard of that, I love me some tacos. But, man, that place used to be so good. And I don't know if they went through different management or whatever, but I'm definitely seeing a whole lot more people go there now. And the food is just, it sucks. It's bland. It's so vanilla. And uh, I'm not going back there. It's just not good. And that's that's how the ACC is. They they got their network now. They've got outside coaches giving their two cents. And it's just tasteless. You know, you when you put the value of a dollar over the value of the product itself, you lose the product. When you make it all about money, it's just that, all about money. Just because you can make some money doesn't mean you should. Just because you can make more money with a product doesn't mean you should. You, you lose the original idea of making a great product. And the ACC is college basketball. We might be seeing a, a turn of the tides now that the, AC, uh, the SEC is looking really good. Big East is, is, is coming alive. You know, you got the Big Ten, who last year was, you know, arguably the best conference, might be the best conference this year. So, I mean, there and, and you're seeing the changing of the tides with, with coaches. So, I mean, there, there's arguments to be made. But at the end of the day, ACC is college basketball. And when you start relocating and go to go to New York one year for the ACC tournament, and, and now you're talking about Charlotte, and holy crap, can I just speak for everybody? Can we all agree that not everything in North Carolina has to be in Charlotte? Oh my God, it's ridiculous. Everything is in Charlotte. The Panthers in Charlotte. Uh, you, you got this MLS team that's in Charlotte. You know, you got the Hurricanes and Raleigh, who are actually a pretty good, a, a damn good franchise, and, and they don't get hardly enough love. They're talking about a, a MLB team, a, a pro professional baseball team going to Charlotte, of course. Like, why not just keep in Durham? Make the Durham Bulls a thing. I would love to see that. I love their logo. I love the look. I love the feel. I love it. It's, it's just so frustrating that everything has to be about Charlotte. Charlotte is not that great. I've lived there. <laughs> um, it's just, it sucks, man, because growing up, going right down the street to, to the Coliseum, getting to see some great basketball, um, there's a certain feel, a certain smell of the place. I just love the Greensboro Coliseum and to see it get stripped away because the ACC is concerned with money rather than the quality of a product is really frustrating because, you know, look at the ACC network. That, that network should be top tier, and it's not. And that's because they're more concerned about making money, and it's just, it's frustrating. So, yeah, so the, so the ACC is relocating. Sucks, but uh, is what it is. But let's talk about why you guys are all here listening. Let's talk about the meat of the show. I gave you guys my tier three. Here's tier two. These are going to be teams nine to five. I was originally going to do five in the first tier, but I can't count. So we're doing nine to five, and then next episode we'll do four to one. So starting off with number nine is my NC State Wolfpack. Yep, I think that they are middle of the road, and they have been for you know four or five years now. So I think going into this season, the obvious, the obvious question is, is Kevin Keats on the hot seat? Out of any coach in the ACC, I feel like Kevin Keats, his job is is the most on the line. You're, you're in year five. And let's just do a side-by-side -side comparison. So you're in year five. Last year was, was Josh Pastner's year five at Georgia Tech. 
you can say what you want. You can make jokes about uh, the NC State and the little brother, whatever the hell you want to say. But there is no arguing that NC State history and and as of today, you know, is a better basketball school than Georgia Tech. I know that they won the ACC championship, but that's my point. They're a, they're a better program with better players. And in year five, we're not even sniffing the top five in the ACC. And you've got Josh Passner and Georgia Tech winning an ACC tournament. I know a lot of stipulations, a lot of weirdness was going on, but still, that's a little alarming. And then you got, you know, now Hubert Davis in your rearview mirror, Shire at Duke. You got, you know, Steve Forbes from Wake. Like there, there's there's guys in the rearview mirror that, that that have their eyes set and are in a much better situation than NC State. So Kevin Keats, I believe, is on the hot seat. You know, that first year, he was great. Phenomenal season. Since then, mediocre at best. Haven't made the tournament since 2018, and I believe that this team is just teetering. They're, they're, they're teetering from kind of good to kind of bad, and that's why they're in that 9-8 spot every single year. And before the, this, the, these streams of episodes, I really was out on this team, like really out. And I've kind of let my fandom get in the way. And, and, and again, guys, I'm not going to make this a big NC State episode. I'll get to just an NC State episode in a future uh, before the season. But, but just hear me out with this team. I, I was really, really out with this team. I, I don't think they got better in the transfer market. I like the recruits, but I don't love the recruits. Now, that, that doesn't mean they can't be good. I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying that they don't they don't have that star capability. I think losing DJ Funderburk, Devin Daniels, you lose Braxton Beverly, you know, you lose Shaquille Moore. So you're losing four players that all provided something that each one does significantly well. Devin Daniels did a lot well. He rebounded well, he defended well, he was your bucket getter. DJ Funderburg was that spark you needed, whether he started or came off the bench. Just efficient, just an efficient player. God, I love DJ. Brax, I love him to death. I know he's going to go kill it at Western Kentucky. Or is that Eastern Kentucky? Excuse me, Eastern Kentucky. Um, he's going to be great for them. And and losing him, you're losing your best shooter. Shaquille Moore, I know he had some up and downs. There's only, only a handful of games you can point at and say, yeah, he took that game over or yeah, he killed it. Uh, but but losing his ability to defend his athleticism, I think he could have been a great one-two with with Cam Hayes, who I'll get to in a, me- a minute. But replacing all of that is just so difficult for a team that already can't rebound and already can't shoot that well. Look, the three-point percentage was fourth in the ACC last year and 69th in the nation. Nice. And uh, so... Look, it was it was a solid three point shooting team. It didn't really show for it, but it but on paper it looked good. But you're losing so much of that three point shooting now. A lot of that three point shooting has to do with Cam Hayes. Cam Hayes really came alive in the last five games of the season, where we went on that five game winning streak, and then quickly fizzled out in the ACC tournament. That was embarrassing. Cam Hayes was the big reason. Averaged twelve point nine points per game. A little bit over two steals a game. He's a two-way player, and that's why he was so great at Greensboro Day. He is a two-way player who I think is going to make that extra leap. Cam Hayes, in my opinion, has a chance to be all ACC second team. Now, if if NC State can get into the top six, six would be remarkable for this team. Again, I'm not in love with this team, but Cam Hayes, he averaged last season 7.8 points per game, 
2.4 rebounds, and 3.1 assists. He's going to have to boost some of those numbers up. Definitely the scoring. I think the assists have to take a good leap too because he's got to get other guys involved. This is a team that's going to have to attack you in multiple ways rather than just one way. We kind of know what Jericho Hellams is as a player. He averages, you know, right at 12 and 6. Yeah, 12.9 points per game and, and five rebounds. So we know who he is as a player. He's he's not going to get that much better. He may he may average maybe a point or two more, maybe a rebound or two more, but we know who he is as a player. You got Manny Bates, who made a significant leap in his offensive game. They're going to ask more out of him, which I think they should. Now, we've seen him shoot threes in practice, and that's great and all, but please cut it out. <laughs> I don't want him shooting threes. I want him in the paint, owning the paint. But for a guy that big and that athletic and, and, and that much potential, he has to rebound better. I mean, he just has to because this is not a good rebounding team at all. And you suffer that because you're a small team. The rebounding margin was 10th in the ACC and 226. I did an entire rebounding piece on NC State of why I think this team is so, so bad at rebounding. Y'all can go check that out at uh, redandwhitenetwork.com. But there's a couple of pieces that I like. We got the transfer from Virginia in Casey Morsell. I think that is going to be a great get. Again, not a whole lot of star factor. His numbers don't speak out to you because he was in that slow pace offense at Virginia. It did not fit his system. It did not fit his playing style. And now he's going to come over to NC State, and he's going to be asked to do a lot. He's going to probably play the two, maybe a little bit of three action. I wish he was just a little bit taller. He could maybe play uh, the small four. Um, But another guy that I I really want to see a lot out of is Darian Sebron. He really came alive. He's great off the dribble. He can shoot it. He can stretch it. I like him a lot. That's Those are the two players, Cam Hayes and Darian Sebron. If this team is going to be any good, it's going to be up to those two because we know what we have in a lot of the core pieces, but those two have a really high ceiling. Uh, Thomas Allen, he's a senior now, fifth-year senior. Struggled a lot last year, but he was better off the bench, which I think is is where he needs to be. I in, in my dream starting five, if we're talking about my dream starting five, it's Cam Hayes at the one. I'd put Casey Morsell at the two. I'd put Jericho at the three. And if he was ready, our four-star recruit, Ernest Ross, at the four because he can stretch the floor. And he's a good, um, he's a good runner off the ball. He's good in transition. And then uh, Bates in the five. But Ernest Ross is nowhere near ready. And this probably this team's probably best with Jericho Helms at the four. The reason I say that's my dream starting five is because then you have Thomas Allen and uh, Darian Sebron coming off the bench. That's a, that's a good amount of firepower between those two. So again, Ernest Ross, he's going to have to step up. Let's talk about the other two recruits, four-star Terquavion Smith, top 100, and then just outside the top 100 is Breon Pass. Both are dynamic players. Both won a lot of games. Both average a lot of stats. And Terquavion is is nicknamed T-Buckets and all that. And he can. He can light it up for sure. I worry about the efficiency and I worry about his role with the team. For him to be really, really good, he's got to have the ball in his hands a lot, which means that Cam Hayes won't have the ball, which means that Jericho won't have the ball, Darian Sebron won't have the ball. There's only one ball. And for me, when I watch Terquavion play, again, I like him as a player, but how can he fit into this system? When I watch him play, it takes him a lot of shots to get a lot of points. It's not super efficient. Now, if he's out there getting buckets, then yeah, let him go. He's the hot hand, let him go. 
But for him to change the game, he's going to have to put up a lot of shots. And I just don't know if that that style works with this team who's not going to be making a whole lot of shots from outside. He's probably going to see a lot of minutes. Another guy I really like is, like I said, our three-star get, Breon Pass. Severely underrated, super athletic. Had had a couple of football scholarships too. And uh, he's going to be that backup point guard role, which I think is perfect for him. I think he's going to be a really, really good backup point guard. So we'll see how that works out. You know, again, I just, I don't know what to think of this team. I was very much out on this team. I had them as far as, I think, 11th at one point, and my, I let my fandom kind of talk me into it. You know, nobody on this roster right now, nobody is averaging even six rebounds per game. It's a bad rebounding team. I think that the three-point shooting got worse because you leaned so heavily on Devin Daniels and Braxton Beverly. I just, I I don't know what to think of this team. Everybody's calling us a sleeper. I don't see it. I've seen, I, I think teams in, in previous years are, are much better than this team and y'all are calling this team a sleeper. I don't know. Maybe I'm missing it. I don't know, but I, I just, I, I'm not a huge fan of the build of this roster and that's scary thinking in year five, you know, we missed out on a lot of transfers that we wanted. We missed out on a lot, a lot of guys that could have came in and started right away. I just, I don't see the the needle pusher, who, who's the guy that's going to be out there getting a whole lot of buckets? Now, they finished strong. They finished really strong. But in terms of, of star potential, outside of Cam Hayes and maybe Darian Sebron, I'm not in love with this roster. Now, Casey Marcel, like I said, is going to be a good addition. We'll see how he does. But outside of Manny Bates, who, who's the big? Ebenezer Dewana didn't see a lot of action. Jalen Gibson. Didn't see a lot of action. These are guys that, yeah, they bulked up, but uh, not not nothing to home go right about. But you know, you got the uh, the transfer from Providence in uh, Grant, uh, yeah, Greg Gant. Again, he's athletic. He can defend, sure, but I don't know. I just I didn't love the moves. I feel like there was a lot of things that we should have went after. Three point shooting being the main one and rebounding being the other. And we didn't get either. And that's why I'm a little off on this team. So my outlook on this team is ninth. I think that they can get as high as seventh in my dream scenario. Six, if, if everything just clicks, you know, what we're, we're, we're feisty. That that's just how we've been. We've been feisty, but not feisty enough. We're a very middle of the road, average team, and and the record says uh, speaks for itself. This this team after this season, we're going to have to ask ourselves: Is Keats the guy? Because so many nit appearances, you're going to be going into year six after this. You only have one tournament to show for. Now I know the COVID thing happened, but unfortunately, is what it is. Everybody had to to take the season off right there, uh, right at the tournament. So it just counts for everybody. I think that this team is good, not great, middle of the road, and and that's why we're going to have to lean heavily on a couple of guys that can they step up? That's that's the question. And and I think that Keith's job is, is in uh, serious doubts if this team does not make the tournament, which I don't think that we will. I think we're going to probably be a two or a one in the NIT. But we'll see. So next up is number eight. I know I spent a lot of time on NC State. I'll try to wrap this up a little bit quicker. Number eight, Syracuse. 
look, it's it's Buddy Beheim. Same situation with Miami. It's Buddy Beheim. It's Isaiah Wong. They're the leaders of their pack. And he's a bucket. I mean, what else can you say about this Syracuse team? They're not supposed to be good, which means that they'll be on the verge of a Final Four team. They do it every year. Buddy Beheim really came alive after taking the 11 seed Syracuse Orange all the way to the Sweet 16. He uh, he averaged 22.3 points per game in the tournament, and I'm just going to go ahead and say that this guy is going to make the All-ACC first team. It's just one of those situations where he's just such a good scorer with the basketball that it's going to be hard to not have him in the first team. And again, he's going to be the reason why they win a lot of games. Uh, you know, it's it's a family affair over there. They got you know the the younger son of the Bayheim pack. That's Jimmy Bayheim, and he's a Cornell wing. He can shoot it solid off the dribble. Not going to probably ask him to do a whole lot. But one guy you are going to have to get a lot out of if you're Syracuse is Joseph Girard. Average just under 10 points a game, three and a half assists. Good two-way player. I like to see that shooting go up a little bit. And uh, and then there's this other guy that is getting some buzz right now. This is a guy that I want you guys to really write this name down, possibly watch. You know, everybody's going to be talking about Buddy Beheim, and that's fine. But... And I get it, but just a name to circle is this highly touted five-star that nobody really seems to be given enough credit to is a five-star freshman, Benny Williams. He's a big man. He's going to be playing a lot of minutes this season. And believe it or not, guys, people are comparing him to Carmelo Anthony. I'm not, but people are. (laughs) So I think that it's getting a little misconstrued with Williams. I think that they're comparing him to the impact that Carmelo once was. Maybe not Carmelo himself, but the impact that he could have on this roster. Um, he, he's going to be that that lead guy in the front court, and, he, and if he can step up, you know, watch out for the Syracuse team. They're going to be sneaky. And, and Syracuse is another weird team to rank. Syracuse, honestly, I don't even love the roster, but I'm not going to go against Beheim. I'm not going to go against uh, their recruits, the 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 style of defense they play is remarkable. Everybody knows you got to go against that zone, and it's hard to go against. Problem with this defense last year, though, is that they were tenth in the ACC in scoring defense at seventy point one. I was also one hundred and seventy third in the nation. But the scoring took a massive leap. They were fifth in the ACC at 74.8 points per game. They leaned a lot on their offense. I don't think they're going to have to do that as much this season. They're a much better team when they really can play the zone well. And I think they got guys in the transfer market and in their recruits that play to their system a lot. And you're going to see this defense take a step up. So I, I like Syracuse. I don't love Syracuse, but I, I like I like this team. They're going to be a sneaky team that nobody's really talking about. They're a team that you know we, we know is going to be good, but we just don't talk about them until the season starts. And they're probably going to end up being some type of you know seven, eight, nine, ten seed again. And somehow, some way, they're they're going to get to the Final Four like they always do. So that's where I've got Syracuse. Next up is number seven. And that is the Louisville Cardinals. I've got them at seven because mainly because I really like this roster. This roster is something that has taken some time 
to really mold. Chris Mack is doing a phenomenal job over there. Maybe hasn't exceeded or met the expectations that we're, that we're used to expecting from Louisville. But with that being said, they're still a solid team. They're still going to be in the mix. And I could see them really climbing the ranks. It's the it's it's not so much the the talent that that has stopped Louisville from being great. It's just they haven't tapped into that talent. This is a team that I could easily see getting to the to the top top five top four. I really like this roster. They're going to be without Chris Mack. He's suspended after that whole Gaudio Chris Mack situation. It's it's a mess, <laughs> you know. It's a mess with those two. And and look, the Cardinals are always in some type of trouble. They just always will be. How they haven't been uh, put on serious probation, I don't know. But at least this is a start. Uh, but they've got a couple of of really solid breakout players, returning starters, Jalen Withers and Samuel Will- Williamson, are going to be the backbones. Uh, Withers is a guy you really want to watch out for. He actually led the ACC in rebounding at 8.1 rebounds per game. Stellar, stellar numbers. And then Williamson wasn't very far behind him. He had 7.7 rebounds per game. I mean, this is a really, really great rebounding team. Their rebounding margin was third in the ACC, 46th in the nation. So they're up there with the the Carolinas. All right, this is a really great underrated rebounding squad. I don't think got a lot of love. I know that they missed the tournament last year. I, I don't think that they're going to miss a tournament at all. Um, I, I think that they're going to be comfortably in, maybe as like a six seven seed, but they're they're going to be in this year. Um, you you got a healthy senior in Malik Williams. You've got a top one hundred recruit Roosevelt Wheeler, awesome center, four star center, who. I really thought NC State had a good shot at. Would have loved to have got him, but he ultimately chose Louisville. Really good player. I, I'm excited to watch him. And they've got a very, very deep front court. That, that's that, that. How it is it all? How it rounds it out? Wheeler being the anchor there, being the last guy, is an incredible amount of depth. I really like their depth at the front court, which is weird. We're so used to seeing a whole lot of of guard play from from Louisville. But it's weird. This is actually one of their main problems. The three-point shot was horrible last year. They were 38.3 three-point percentage last year. That's in the bottom tier. That ranked 297th. And again, that's why I really love what Chris Mack did. That's why I really love this team. They saw a problem and they went out and tried to fix it in the transfer market. They got Marshall transfer Jared West. West led Conference USA in assists and set a record for career steals and shot 40.8% from the three. Awesome, awesome get. He's going to help move the ball and he's going to be able to shoot it. I, that, that, that's what separates good teams from great teams. That's why NC State is a good team, not a great team. They didn't go out and get the pieces that they wanted. Sorry, I keep talking about NC State, guys. I'm just ready for the season, if you can't tell. But anyways... Back to Louisville. So he made an emphasis. Chris Mack made an emphasis to go out and get some three-point shooters. They got Florida transfer, Noah Locke. Locke is a career 40% from the three. So they've, they've got the wings that they need. They got the guys that can distribute. But one guy, one guy that I need you guys, this is another name that you guys have to circle down. And it's going to shock you when I say this because all of you, when I hear when, when you hear this, where he came from, you guys are going to roll your eyes and, and say I'm reaching, but I promise, guys, you really 
have to circle this name down. Juco transfer. That's right. Junior college. L. Ellis. 6'3", point guard. He's a junior. And he's a two-time Juco All-American. I'm telling you right now, this guy is going to step in from the get-go. And I I could see him starting from day one. I just, I love the player. He's explosive. He's athletic. Great scorer. He is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Him and with the combo of, of, of Williamson, I think I, I just, there's just so much that I like about this, this roster. It's just, can they tap in? Can they, can they find, because they have the pieces. It's, it's never been an argument of they don't have the guys. They clearly have the guys on this roster. But they have to tap in. And if they can do that, I mean, we're talking about a dark horse. I got a couple of dark horses, and Louisville is definitely one of my, maybe not the dark horse. We're going to get into my next dark horse here, but... I'm telling you, I really like Louisville, and you guys should too. A lot of great pieces. This is a team that could fight for top five. And if they get a good enough seed, if they are somehow, some way in that four, five, six range come tournament time, watch out for the Cardinals, man. They're, they're going to be a lot of fun. I think they're a surefire lock, but they, they are one of my dark horses in the ACC Look out for the cards. Next up, this is a team that I really like, guys. Number six is the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Look, I'm low on Notre Dame. I know I'm low on Notre Dame, and I and I want to be bold and put Notre Dame inside the top five, but I can't, and it's mainly because of their defense. Their defense is so horrible. It's, it is awful it is uh their scoring defense was uh, 14th in the acc 271st in the nation at 74.3 points per game they don't play defense guys they just don't and they never have they never will this team is all about shooting and scoring a shit ton <laughs> now look the numbers aren't great offensively last year they were seventh in the acc at uh, 72.7 points per game you're probably asking yourself well matt that's not very good Correct. It's not. But this team went out and got some vital pieces. The last time we saw the uh, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, last time we saw them, they were getting curb stomped by Carolina by 42 points. 42 points in the ACC tournament. And then here we go. Carolina's going crazy. Like, we're going we're gonna to run the table and, and, and win it. It's just like, mm, nope, stop. But... This team was on a roll. They were, they were looking so good late last season. And after getting thumped by 42, everything stopped for them. All momentum they had was gone. Mike Bray put an injection of talent into this roster. I, I really love this roster. I actually got a question from a fan. Uh, shout out to Hunter. He asked me, who is somebody that, that a lot of people are sleeping on? And it's Notre Dame. It's Notre Dame for sure. This backcourt, there's no other way to put it. They're stacked. Trey Wirtz, Prentice Hub, Cormac Ryan, Dane Goodwin. Like they, There is just so much offense on this, on this, this backcourt. It's insane. It's insane. And they're, and they're all capable shooters. I, I'm expecting a massive season from Prentice Hub. Another guy that I think could get into that dark horse first team if Notre Dame somehow slides into the top four, probably. 
uh, just because there's so many good guards in the ACC. But this is a guy that averaged 14.6 points per game and five point assists. Great, great numbers. And you got to think about this. On top of already being a good three-point shooting team, they got more three-point shooting. They were third last year in the ACC, 46 in the nation at 36.8% from the three. I love the shooting. I love the shooting. And it's going to come down to Hub at the point. Can he take that next step and really be considered elite? Can he put himself in that conversation of top three point guards in the ACC? And I think he can. Because we're expecting Caleb Love to take a massive leap, but nobody's talking about Princess Hub. Everybody's expecting Cam Hayes to take a massive leap. Look, I'm taking Prentice Hub before both of those guys right now. Even though I really like Cam Hayes and I really like Caleb Love, and it hurts me to say that because he plays for Carolina, I like Prentice Hub a lot. His offense is already there. And he he's assisting better than both of those guys. He has shooters all around him. On top of, this is my guy on, on this squad. Uh, and, and y'all can... Say what you want. I understand they didn't play last year, but Yale transfer Paul Atkinson is my guy. That is my guy. I will go to bat for him. He is such a good player. Uh, he's transferring from Yale, and yes, he took the year off. The entire Ivy League took the took the year off. I know that was a crazy story when they decided to do that. So if he can knock off that rust, he'll be fine. But this is a guy that was the Ivy League player of the year in 2019-2020. I understand he didn't play, but this guy is a proven player. Pair him up with Nate Lazowski. Lazowski? I think it's Lazowski. Also can score. Also can rebound. A guy that averaged 13-3 and and 7.3 rebounds. This, this team can shoot. This team can rebound better. They didn't rebound very well last year, but they're, they're going to be rebounding better. And that's why I love this squad. They got better. And I really... Really like this team. One thing that they need to control, if they're not going to be a good defensive team, they have to cut down on the turnovers. Their turnover margin was negative 1.9, which was last in the ACC, dead last, and 281st in the nation. Look, if you're not going to play defense, fine. Bold strategy. I hate it. I hate that, and that's why it's so hard for me to not put Notre Dame higher because their defense sucks. But you cannot turn the ball over if you're not going to play defense. It's a double whammy, double-edged sword, because your offense is going to have to be hitting. And this offense can. This offense really can. I really like this offense, and I like this team. They're going to be a very, very far superior three-point shooting team this year. They're in the top 50 in the nation in three-point percentage. I I really think that Hub is going to fight for some all-ACC first-team talks. Definitely second team I'm looking I'm looking at a, a couple certain guys I just I really like Notre Dame this year they're my dark horse they're my absolute dark horse if you're if you're trying to be ballsy if you're trying to be bold Notre Dame is the pick I promise I'm a, an NC State fan I know I just hyped up Notre Dame unlike anybody else ever <laughs> now let's talk about number five. That does it for nine, eight, seven, six. Let's go into five. This is the last team. And I'm sorry we got to end on a sour note like this, but we got to talk about the Carolina Tar Heels. 
For all you Tar Heel fans, listen out there. Listen up. I'm going to give you some compliments here. I'm actually going to give you a lot of compliments because I really like this roster. Uh, But take it with a grain of salt. You're still Carolina. So I'm going to go ahead and say this. I'm going to say two things right now. Take it or leave it. It's a fact. Carolina and Kentucky won the transfer market. Won it. Obliterated the competition. Carolina and Kentucky murdered the transfer market. And number two, and I'm going to get into both, but number two, UNC and Virginia Tech have the best starting five in the ACC. Okay? So let's backtrack a little bit. Let's start off. Roy's gone. Out. See you. Don't let the door hit you. In comes Hubert Davis. Now, Hubert Davis walks into probably the best situation you can possibly think of. You, you walk into arguably the best job in college basketball. I would argue it's probably the worst, but I'm a, I'm a little biased. You walk into the best opportunity with the best setup. I mean, this is a layup. This is if you're playing volleyball and somebody just set you up for a spike. Now, people have Hubert Davis taking the Tar Heels to like Final Four. I mean, I'm not kidding, guys. Like, real ESPN analysts, ACC Network analysts, like, they really have Carolina going to the basketball playoffs. We've already seen how well the football playoff situation turned out, which we all tried to warn you, but you didn't want to listen. So, look, Carolina's going to be good. They are, all right? I'm not I'm not going to put them ahead of other coaches like Leonard Hamilton. I'm not going to put them ahead of Kay. I'm not going to put ahead of Tony Bennett. That, that would just be a slap in the face of all the, the coaches that have earned this spot to be considered one of the greatest no matter what the roster is. Now, this, like I said, is a great roster, great starting five. But in year one, to put them number two on some people's list, their ceiling is final four. Like, what? What? What are y'all smoking? Um, so look, Hubert Davis, he comes into a great situation. And the reason, let's, let's again, I said I'd, I'd tackle those, those topics that I talked about. Let's talk about it. So UNC went out and got a couple of transfers that I adore, that I really liked, and it pissed me off when I read it because, God, you know, of course. Of course he walks into a situation with great players. Um, but let's talk about Brady Manick. Now, I watched Oklahoma a lot last year. And Austin Reeves, who now plays for the Lakers, Steal of a pick, by the way. Steal of a pick. I I have been boasting about him. I talked about him a lot last year. But next to him is Brady Manick. And Brady Manick is a power forward that can stretch the floor almost as good as anybody. Great shooter. And this Carolina team was horrible at shooting last year. Their three-point percentage was 31.8. Abysmal. Terrible. 13th in the ACC, 263rd in the nation. Now, next to Brady Manick is Marquette transfer, Dawson Garcia. Now, that's probably the name you guys have heard a lot about. Dawson Garcia, pretty damn good, okay? Pretty damn good. He put up, actually, 24 points and 11 rebounds on UNC when they played Marquette. So, I'm sure Carolina fans probably know about him, too. But another guy... That can, honest to God, he can he can probably get second team all ACC. Another guy that can stretch the floor. And that's why I feel like they won the transfer market, a, a tie with Kentucky. Because they went out and got players that they needed to make their team better. 
They found holes in their situation from last year and filled them with players that do certain things well. That's why if you're going into the transfer market, if you're not going to get a star player, go get guys that are really, really good at one thing you need especially well. That's why I did not like the NC State transfer market and some things that we just had to answer. Carolina went out and did that. Carolina was a terrible three-point shooting team. You can't rely on, on Caleb Love, and the only shooter that they have on that team is Curran Walton. Another couple of gets. Now, these aren't transfers, but these are recruits. Number one player in North Carolina, Dontre Styles. Love the player. Love the player. Justin McCoy, transfer from Virginia. Athletic, strong, big. He is going to be a great piece. Another solid shooter, Puff Johnson. He's just got to get a little bit more uh, more playing time. But another solid shooter. I know he was on the team last year, but didn't see any playing time, and I can't really call him excellent shooter unless he actually plays. So, But anyways, back to what I was saying. So let's talk about the two key pieces. Let's talk about the two key pieces. So you have... Caleb Love, obvious point guard, 10.5 points per game, 2.6 rebounds, 3.5 assists. Solid numbers, real solid numbers. But the shooting was horrible, 31.6 field goal percentage. I want to say he averaged somewhere around 20% or 25% from the three. But you guys catch my drift. Not a very good shooter. That's all fine because I know how good of a player Caleb Love can be. What isn't fine is his turnovers. His turnovers cost Carolina a lot of games. Those turnovers are horrible. 3.1 turnovers per game is going to to, to hold him back as a player. Their turnover margin was minus 1.0. 232nd in the nation. The turnovers killed Carolina. And that has to do a lot with Caleb Love. Now look, freshman point guards struggle, and especially in the ACC, but a player of his caliber should not struggle that long throughout the entire season. I mean, say what you want, but at least Cam Hayes got better as the season progressed. Caleb Love kind of middled out, kind of leveled out. Now let's talk about the other option, Armando Baycott. Great player. What what else can you say? I mean, he put up that picture of him looking like Popeye, those inflated balloon arms. That was ridiculous. I don't know if you guys saw that picture, but great player. There's just some guys on some squads that you just, you you hate to love, but he's just a damn good player and he is going to make all ACC first team. And the reason being is because Carolina went out and got Garcia and Manic. They're going to help space the floor. They're going to open up the lane for Baycott. They're going to make the addition of the, those two are going to make Baycott more exciting and a better player. For a guy that already averaged 12.3 points per game, 7.8 rebounds, and shot 62.8%, I mean, dude, he could get up to 65. I mean, this guy is going to have the lane open to him. And it's also going to open up for Caleb Love to drive. So, look, it's a great starting five. A really good starting five. They've got a lot of good pieces on the bench to back up their starting five. So it's a deep roster. It's a it's a really good roster. It's it's not bad. And 
in year one? Like that's my question. What are what are the, what's the expectation for for Hubert Davis? Like if he if he's in year one with arguably the best starting five, a great roster. What's what's the argument? What what is the expectation? Are you ex- if you're a Carolina fan, are you expecting him to be top three? Because I just don't see that happening. He's going to get out coached in games. That's just that's just it. Like he's going to get out coached. I know that he's coming from the Roy system. I get all that, but who says this even works? You're just assuming that Cooper Davis is going to come in and be great. And you know, if, if we're being real with ourselves, like if you get half of what Roy was, like you'd consider that a really good coach. So if he's you know eighth or less, like can you really be all that upset if you're Carolina? I'm not saying they will, but I'm just saying if we're going to live in reality where that could happen. Like what? What's your expectation if you're Carolina? Because you can't get mad if he doesn't end up in the top five. I mean, it's his first freaking year, and and he very well could because I mean, look at Keith. Keith's first year, we we ended up top five. We were a great team. I believe we were. I want to say we were ten and eight that season. Um, but that's what I'm saying. Like you don't know how to go about it because you don't know what style they're gonna play. I just it's it's going to be interesting to see what this roster becomes and what this coaching situation becomes. I love the roster. I love the transfer market. But I'm not going to put them into that category of top tier. I know that I have them fifth, which I guess puts them in top tier, but really there's there's four teams that I believe have a have a real shot as the season starts has has a real shot of winning the the ACC championship. I don't think Carolina's that but I think that they're going to be a team that can compete, that are going to compete hard. Um, but there's going to be times where Hubert Davis gets outcoached by by some of the greats. And, yeah, I mean, they're going to make the tournament. They're, they're, they're going to make the tournament, and it does a lot for, for the brand of college basketball, and they, and they could even win a game. I could see them winning a game in the tournament. Uh, but in a, in your first year, you can't really ask for much more success than one making the tournament and also winning a tournament game. Carolina's expectations are set at an all time high. I know there's some fans that wanted Roy gone. Well, he's gone now, so you got what you asked for. I think there's going to be a drop off. How big that drop off is, I don't know. We'll see. But to just simply put Carolina in there because they're Carolina and they've got a good team, uh, it just I'm not going to do that. I don't. Obviously, I'm not a Carolina fan, so I don't fall for that. But still, it's a good roster, really good roster. So we will see about Carolina. That's going to do it for the Tier 2 teams. These teams have a, a really good shot to make the tournament. I, I Like I said before in the previous episode, I think that 10-9-8 is, is where it kind of gets a little foggy. You don't really know how that's going to turn out. But the 7-6-5, I feel like, are definite locks to make the tournament. And from here on out, these Tier tier 1 as as this was the tier two, the tier one teams are, are going to be the teams to watch out for to win the championship, undoubtedly. And I can't wait to, to give them to you guys. So thank you guys for tuning in. I thought it was a great episode. I'm going to go to class now, but you guys have a great day. And I will get these episodes out to you as soon as possible. Also, if you guys have time, I, I like I said before, I typed up a 16-page ACC report. It's this report, and, and I, I typed it up, and it's going to be on redandwhitenetwork.com. I know I have uh, Evan come on sometimes. I, I go over to the red and white pod and, and guest feature there. So if you guys have time, go to Twitter. 
look up red and white pod and and uh, click the link and, and you guys will see it so if you guys you know want to read up and, and as i go into a little bit more detail uh please do let me know if you guys do leave a rating follow me on instagram by the way at red solo sports thank you guys for tuning in grab a cup fill it up and let's talk some sports next week peace out guys